and welcome to the Prologue on America's Web Radio, a weekly program bringing you introductions to writers and books you may not be familiar with yet. My name is Doug Dahlgren. I'll be your host for this hour. I'm an author myself, and you can find my work on Amazon, Books A Million, and Barnes & Noble online sites. You can also go to my webpage, which is simply DougDahlgren.com, and learn all about Silas and the Sun series, and I certainly hope you'll do that. Now, we call this show the prologue because that's exactly what it is. And while those we introduce are mainly writers, we love to bring you interesting people with just a story to tell from other fields and other endeavors as well. So if you or someone that you know has that book or just that interesting story that needs to be told, please reach out to me through email, and there's two ways you can do that. There is Doug at AmericasWebRadio.com or Doug at DougDahlgren.com. I'd love to speak with you or them about them being on a future program. Now, our guest this hour brings us a work of historical fiction. It's based on events that, well, could have played out over 150 years ago, and in far too many cases it probably did. A war-weary soldier returns home to find that his world has been turned upside down. He must deal with a shattered family situation and mysteries surrounding that. While he struggles with demons, the war has left within his mind. Her first novel, after an amazing career in engineering and many short stories to her credit, our guest brings us a rich tale of the Old South and the realities our forefathers had to endure. Before we bring her on, please allow me to recognize two special groups of listeners that we're very proud to have here at America's Web Radio. First, our folks serving on the armed forces of this country. We can't say enough about them. They're all over this world. They're working hard every day to keep us back home safe and, and to, so we can take advantage of the lives that we so very often just take for granted. Freedom is not free. It's bought and paid for daily by the men and women who wear the uniform. We thank each of you for what you do. And that second group I also want to mention are the first responders who are here at home in your local towns and cities, those police, fire, and EMT personnel who rush to our aid when we need their help. Thank you for being there, and thank you each and every one for what you do. Our author this hour brings us, as we said, a tale. It's about Josiah Robertson, a returning Civil War veteran who'd been away with very little contact for several years. His property and his family had been left in the care of a brother-in-law who Josiah trusted to watch over them. Told with the vivid descriptions of place, time, and characters involved, the story takes us back to the events after that awful, awful war. The author is Marianne Wright, writing as M.A. Wright. Her book is titled Devil's Choice, and this is your prologue. The long journey home found him meeting at first with his young daughter, who did not recognize him, and her two dogs, both ready to protect the girl from this mysterious intruder. His sister-in-law finally recognizes who Josiah is and literally calls off the dogs. The news doesn't get better as the homecoming goes on. Josiah's wife, Maddie, has been attacked and severely injured just days before his return. Those there, including Maddie, blame a stranger 
no one had seen before the attack. And Josiah is bent on finding this man and exacting his revenge. But first things must come first. He must care for his wife, whose condition deteriorates. He must deal with the doctor who's been sent for and the needs of other family members. A very lush word picture is drawn by our guest author of the conditions, the land, and the characters that bring this story to life for the reader. Josiah, still set on finding Maddie's attacker, is torn by her request to him that he leave it alone, a request that leaves him with a devil's choice. That's the title of our book today, Devil's Choice, and its author, M.A. Wright, is here with us this hour. How are you, Marianne? Welcome to the prologue. Uh, I'm fine, and I really appreciate the opportunity to be here and talk to you. We are very proud to have you with us. Thank you so much for coming on. Now, you take us back to the summer of 1865 with your story. How did you research what life was like, particularly farm life, back in that era? I think my whole life has been research for this. Um, As a child, I had ponies, so I know how to harness a, a horse or a pony or a mule. Uh, I had uncles who were farmers. I spent time visiting with them. I saw some of what they did. And we're talking about, in my childhood, uh, almost 100 years after the uh, the Civil War. But some things don't change, and those uncles lived in homes that had no electric power when I was a small child. So I got to see a lot of how things were. And then, of course, you just imagine how things were even worse uh, back in the day. And um, I have always had an interest in history, so I've read a lot. Uh, I did not want to get deeply involved in the details of the Civil War because there are so many people uh, for whom that is is just an, a terribly important activity, and they're so expert and I just did not want to get that deeply into research. I knew I would make a mistake, and then that would turn everybody off. Uh, so I tried to be uh, ambiguous about the locale and uh, Josiah's military experience. Uh, and then I've attended a lot of uh, reenactments, uh, talked to blacksmiths, uh, took my pony to be shod, so I've been right there when the shoeing is going on. Um, so that was my that was my research, basically life and a lot of reading. There you go. Where where did the idea for this particular story? Where did it come from? Well, this one came from a tale that my father told in the later years of his life. Um, it, he told it very briefly. He said that. Essentially, what happened to Josiah happened to one of his uh, one of his grandfathers. I didn't even know which grandfather. He didn't say which grandfather. Um, and and as he told the tale, there were just so many missing parts that I I felt like I really had to explore some of the what might have happened sort of things. Interestingly, my I thought it was a tale that uh, that my dad would most likely have told to my brothers 
and neither one of them uh, had ever heard this story. So uh, I was just trying to flesh out that one little story, and I don't know whether it's true. He was getting older. His mental faculties weren't in the best condition at that time. So I don't know whether it was true, but it was certainly interesting. (laughs) Probably more than you think was true. It just comes back in spits and sparks. Um, Where where is the fictional Red Lick? Where is that actually in your mind? Originally I intended for it to be northern Mississippi, but I think what I drifted into was more a description of Middle Tennessee. Uh, there, I thought I was being really clever and picking the name of a place that you know was totally fictional. Turned out, after I was completely finished, I discovered that there is a Red Lick, Mississippi, but that's in the Delta region, so I don't think it fits my descriptions. I think, I think uh, a Middle Tennessee sort of location. But again, I want to be pretty ambiguous about it. Um, I don't want to pinpoint any particular place. Okay. Now, you display skills at character development and that, like we said earlier, they really bring the story to life. Uh, are these folks that you describe, are they based on real people that you've known or perhaps have heard about? Oh, I think all writers base their characters on people they have known. They take little bits here and little bits there. Um, from all their experience throughout life, and they they mix them up and put them together and come out with different combinations. So, yeah, these characters uh, have basis in people that I've known, but each character is an amalgam of uh, a number of different characters. Your protagonist in this, The Devil's Choice, the protagonist is Josiah, and he is a returning soldier, and he brings a, a... a completely different dimension to everything with what we call today PTSD. They didn't describe it as that back then, but he has uh, flashbacks and uh, scenes of what he's been through. You mentioned a while ago that you didn't want to go too deeply into descriptions of the war, and yet I love this technique that you used to be able to still remind a reader that uh, what was going on back then. Talk about that a little bit. Oh well, I'm I uh, am uh, fascinated by PTSD, um, and I, I'm I'm looking for the right word. That that's one of the reasons why I write is so I can have time to find the right word. Uh, <laughs> I'm having trouble locating it now, uh, but I I by personal experience by association with family members who suffer from PTSD. I had some idea of, of what it might be like, although I'm sure I, I really can't get into the head of, of a person who's suffering from it. Uh, but that's one thing I wanted to do with this book. I wanted I wanted to show Josiah as uh, wounded and affected by his war experiences, even though he was not physically wounded. One of the secondary lines or storylines in this book is how Josiah deals with Luke. Now, Luke is the brother-in-law who had cared for the family and the farm in his absence. 
what, uh, what, without giving the story away, can you tell us about that relationship as Josiah returns home? Uh, I think we got a case of two alpha males, <laughs> and they they just don't quite get along because each one wants to be the top guy. Uh, and, of course, Josiah is resentful because he's coming home to his farm, but Luke has been maintaining this farm for four years, uh, and he has a lot invested in it, too. So uh, they they respect each other. Uh, they understand the strengths of each other, and yet there's an antagonism that uh, they just can't seem to help themselves. It keeps coming out. Right. Now, Luke is excused from the war and able to stay home because of a crippled leg. Uh, that, of course, obviously would add to the tension between these two men, doesn't it? Yes, it does. Yes, it does. Although Luke is uh, he's quite strong and he is able to work uh, very effectively, but uh, he, he would not be able to serve in the Army because he couldn't go on a march or whatever. Um but I'm sure it's something that he he resents having that extra difficulty that uh, Josiah does not. And this enters into it and makes makes for an enjoyable read. It really does, folks. We're talking with author M. A. Wright. We know her as Mary Ann. Her book is The Devil's Choice, and we're going to be back with more right after these short messages. When four members of Congress all die within four months, each of their deaths appears to be from natural causes. But when mysterious messages begin to appear in the form of quotations from long-dead revolutionary heroes, one reporter sets out to prove the existence of a serial killer. His search discovers dark secrets and an assassin shielded by people who need the very services that only he can provide. The Sun Silas Rising, a novel by Doug Dahlgren. On Kindle or paperback through Amazon.com. Don't be hoodwinked by the left who wants you to believe the fairy tale that we can power America on butterflies, rainbows, and pixie dust. I'm Marita Noon. Get the truth about energy on my show, America's Voice for Energy, only on America's Web Radio. This is Daryl Pullis inviting you to listen to America's Homegrown Veggie Show right here every Saturday morning at 10 Eastern Time. Great guests, great tips, and valuable information about growing your own vegetables, fruits, and herbs. It's not just your garden. It's the way you live. And there's so much to know. But you have help. Bonnie Plants. Now with Bonnie's app, Homegrown, you can learn about veggie and herb varieties. Track and record your garden with photos and notes. Share on Facebook and Twitter and so much more. How'd you ever grow without it? Get Homegrown with Bonnie Plants for iPhone and Android. The more you know, the better you can grow with Bonnie. You're listening to AmericasWebRadio.com, the pioneer and leader in chat radio. Thank you for listening. Folks, welcome back this morning to the prologue on America's Web Radio. We're here talking with M.A. Wright. Uh, she's the author of Devil's Choice. We know this lady is Mary Ann, and we're very proud to have her here on the show this morning. Uh, Mary Ann, tell the folks where they can find Devil's Choice and more information about you. 
they can find Devil's Choice at Amazon um, if they go and search books and search for Devil's Choice by M.A. Wright. Uh, they'll go right to it. Or they can go to their local bookstore and have them order Devil's Choice, ISBN 978-069263021. Now, who is the publisher that you use for this book? Termodoc Press, um, of which I am the principal. So basically this is self-publishing, but I have some very high standards for myself, and uh, I think this book stands out from uh, amongst the self-published books. I'm very, very concerned about quality. Uh, I'm not going to tell you my book is perfect, because I've, I've found some errors uh, since the printing that you received, uh, but it has been carefully edited, and I continue to correct it, so... Well, the book is wonderful. It's very well laid together, and and if there were errors in there, then I think we missed them. But uh, it is a <laughs> it's a very nice looking book, very well put together, and you tell a story very nicely, folks. You'll enjoy this, so please go to Amazon and look up Devil's Choice by M. A. Wright. You'll really enjoy it. Now, we were discussing the principles of this book, uh, characters named Josiah and Luke, and the tension that is between them. Without uh, giving too much away, could you discuss a little bit about dinner table scenes that you describe in this story? Oh, some of those are uh, harrowing. Uh, There is a great deal of tension between Luke and Josiah, and this this kind of comes to a head uh, periodically, often at meal times, and so it affects the children uh, and the the, uh, the sister-in-law, uh, Luke's wife, uh, Emmy, who is, by the way, Emmy is uh, is Maddie's sister. That's that's how these are related. Maddie and Emmy are sisters. Uh, Emmy is married to Luke. Josiah is married to Maddie. Uh, so we have some um, bad uh, bad dinner times occurring uh, when Luke is, shows how harsh he is on the children and that uh, he's not going to get along well with Josiah. Who would you say is the target audience for this book? Oh, well... Um, People interested in history, uh, people interested in family relations, I guess. Um, I had to use a lot of imagination in those those harrowing uh, scenes, but I guess everybody has witnessed uh, scenes of anger and outbursts and so on. So um, it's not... Um, it's certainly not a romance. It is in part a mystery, so people who enjoy mysteries would probably enjoy it. Um, no book is written for everybody, so you're asking me to pinpoint to pinpoint my audience. Well, you you have an idea. You, yeah, you're looking for history buffs or people who are interested in in that period of time, right. and and folks. Just a good story. Folks who enjoy a well-told story are going to enjoy The Devil's Choice. Now, the thing I was trying to get to and the question I want to ask you now, 
Are there any age restrictions that you would apply to this book? Um, you know, any more kids read things um, that I certainly wouldn't have been allowed to read when I was a kid. Uh, I would think, though, probably 12 and up. Um, there's, I would say, yeah. Yeah, there's... there's uh, you know, there there is some violence. There's uh, th- there are some very difficult situations that uh, the the characters have to deal with. So um, I don't think younger children uh, would enjoy it, and and you know it it wouldn't maybe would not be a good thing for them to read. I, I think I would agree with that. Twelve and up probably be capable of understanding what's going on a little bit better yes. and, and have fuller enjoyment. Now, we've got a special treat for the listeners this morning. Marianne, uh, well, I understand you would like to read a passage from Devil's Choice. And if you're uh, folks out there, if you've already got a copy, you can follow along. I think uh, we're, where are we going to start now at the bottom of page to, two? Yeah, we're near the bottom of page two, and you have already told the basically the setup that Josiah is returning home. He's been away a long, long time. The children have run away from him, screaming that they're being uh, chased by a drifter because they they don't even recognize him. Uh, and the dogs come up and block his way. So Folks, this is going this is going to be M. A. Wright reading from her novel Devil's Choice. Then his sister-in-law stepped through the front door with a shotgun in her hands, her hair in disarray. Both the man and the woman stopped, stood stone still, and stared at each other. The woman aimed the shotgun at him. Josiah could see her chest heaving. His own heart hammered. A dribble of sweat ran down the side of his nose and trickled onto his lip. His right hand inched up and grasped the crown of his slouch hat, lifted it, revealed his face and his unruly thatch of curly dark hair. Emmy, don't you know me? Should I, she said. She squinted as she looked up, looked him up and down. Finally, she ventured, Josiah? Her face softened as her eyes filled with tears. She leaned the shotgun against the house and ran to embrace him. Oh, thank God, she said. We've prayed you'd get here soon. Me too, he said as they hugged. Then he held her arms, took half a step back, and looked her up and down. It sure is good to see you, Emmy. You look well. A lie. Her face bore lines that had not been there four years ago, and her dress hung loosely on her frame. The war's hard times had taken the toll on her as it had on him, and what about his beloved Maddie? Both dogs crept forward, growling. Emmy eased from his grip, clapped her hands, and yelled, Oh, you hush now. Go on. Get back and hush. You too, pretty girl. The dogs retreated a few steps, but continued to watch and growl. Never mind the dogs, Emmy. Where's Maddie? Emmy paled. She covered her face with her hands and began to sob. A shiver of alarm crawled up Josiah's spine and onto his scalp. He pulled her hands away from her face and tried to make her look at him. She shook her head and continued to cry. His dread grew, but he tried to remain calm. Hush you crying now. What's wrong? He said. When she did not answer, he dropped her hands, grasped her shoulders, and shook her. Emmy, tell me. She struggled. He let her go. She backed away out of his reach. She sniffled and swallowed and brushed the tears on her cheeks. 
Maddie, she began, but her speech degenerated to a strangled mule. She drew a shaky breath and kept her eyes downcast. I don't know how to tell you, she mumbled. Josiah's head went light. He could barely find his voice. What's happened? Maddie's not... She's not dead. Emmy shook her head. No. She hugged her arms to herself and backed away another step. She's alive, but she's hurt awful bad. Hurt? Emmy nodded. Bad. What happened? We don't know for sure. Sally found her in the barn all bruised and broken up. When? Three days ago. She hasn't really waked up since. Dr. Wilson says it doesn't look good at all. Josiah moaned and closed his eyes. Emmy stepped forward and put her hand on his arm, but he broke away and rushed toward the house. She scrambled after him. No, wait, the children. Ignoring her, he charged through the front door. At the open door of the bedroom, he stopped. The blood drained from his face. Emmy caught up and laid her hand on his shoulder. She murmured, I wanted to prepare you for this. I know it's a terrible shock. Josiah's lips trembled as he asked, Three days ago? I should have gotten home sooner. Why couldn't I have gotten home sooner? Emmy squeezed his shoulder. We don't know God's plan. He glared at her. God didn't do this. She yanked her hand from his shoulder as though it burned. You go on to her. I'll see to the children, she said, and then hurried away. He stepped a couple of paces into the room and stared. Maddie lay in the rumpled bed under a sheet blotched with her sweat. He hardly recognized her, face covered with scabbed cuts and abrasions, closed eyes buried behind a mass of green-tinged purple bruises, jaw off kilter and swollen, puffy misshapen lips dry and cracked. Her right arm swelled above a splint from which her fingers protruded as dark and stiff as smoked sausages. Only her shallow, labored breathing and the buzzing of flies broke the stillness. Josiah's stomach churned at the odors of urine and camphor. His throat closed around a strange groan, and he could no longer fight back his tears. I should have been here, he thought. She'd have been safe if I'd been here. Folks, we have just heard from our guest author this morning, M.A. Wright, reading early on in the book, Devil's Choice, which we're here to discuss this hour. I don't think I took anything away from it. I hate to disagree with a guest, but uh, that was very dramatic. And, folks, it gives you an idea of what you're in for uh, when you look this book up. Tell them again right quick how they can find Devil's Choice, would you please? Yes, they can find Devil's Choice at Amazon. Just search books and then uh, enter Devil's Choice by M.A. Wright. Or you can go to your bookstore and have them order it. Now, we're going to go into more detail later. We're up against a break here pretty quick, but we want to talk about your career that you had before you began writing uh, in this particular genre. But uh, how did, did you enjoy the other style of writing when you were writing professional technical uh, jargon for, for professional people in the engineering field? Did you enjoy that as much as you enjoy writing fiction? I enjoyed writing technical reports, um, but not as much as I enjoy writing fiction. Uh, technical reports have to be the facts, and they're awfully dry, 
at the time I was doing it, the style that was required was really dry and very impersonal. And I enjoy uh, fiction much more because uh, when we talk about people, when we talk about thoughts, when we talk about feelings, uh, it's just much more interesting to me. Do you recall, do you recall exactly what first uh, got you interested in the idea of writing fiction? Uh, yeah, that was uh, uh, after t- my husband and I had retired and uh, resettled and everything was kind of sorted out. And there we sat twiddling our thumbs and um, uh, we joined a, a, a non-credit courses for uh, uh, senior citizens. And uh, there was a creative writing course and I thought, well, you know, let's try that. And so did Terry. And uh, we joined up and started learning, and it's been going on ever since. Well, we're happy that it did. Folks, we're here this morning with M.A. Wright. We know her as Mary Ann, and her book, Devil's Choice. We're going to be back to learn more about her and her writing after these messages. Affordable health insurance was the promise of Obamacare, but for many, the government mandate caused more problems than it solved. This is Dr. Elena George from Medicine on Call, and I want to tell you about a truly affordable alternative allowed under Obamacare, Liberty HealthShare. Liberty HealthShare bypasses doctor and hospital panels, giving you the freedom to choose, and with a maximum of $500 out-of-pocket per person and 100% coverage up to $1 million per year per occurrence, you can rest assured knowing you and your family are protected. Coverage starts as low as $107 per month and also includes dental, vision, pharmacy, and holistic care. Liberty HealthShare puts you back in charge of your health. Visit them online at libertyoncall.org. Again, for a true affordable alternative to Obamacare, visit libertyoncall.org or call toll-free 1-800-714-6993 today. With all the back and forth in today's politics, it seems as though the Constitution gets lost in the mix. If you want to brush up on your Constitution, then join Michael Conley every Wednesday from 4 to 5 p.m. for the show Our Constitution on AmericasWebRadio.com. Did you miss a show that you really wanted to hear? All of our programs are available for download on AmericasWebRadio.com and on iTunes. You can listen to your favorite programs on AmericasWebRadio.com anytime you like. When four members of Congress all die within four months, each of their deaths appears to be from natural causes. But when mysterious messages begin to appear in the form of quotations from long-dead revolutionary heroes, one reporter sets out to prove the existence of a serial killer. His search discovers dark secrets and an assassin shielded by people who need the very services that only he can provide. The Sun Silas Rising, a novel by Doug Dahlgren, on Kindle or paperback through Amazon.com. You're listening to America's AmericasWebRadio.com, the pioneer and leader in chat radio. Thank you for listening. And we're back. We're here this morning on the prologue on America's Web Radio. Our guest is Mary Ann Wright. She goes under the pseudonym M.A. Wright for her writing. And the book is Devil's Choice. It's available on Amazon.com and other venues. And we hope that you'll certainly get out there and get your own copy. Now, we were talking before the break, Mary Ann, about your technical writing. You were, and we want to delve into that more this, this 
particular section of the interview, but you wrote primarily professional, technical journals and, and writings for folks who understood more what you were talking about than the average reader. When you shifted over to fiction, did that feel natural to you right away, or was there kind of a learning curve? Oh, there was a, a tremendous learning curve. I have, I have always read, I've always read a lot of fiction, uh, so you, know, you absorb some of the requirements of fiction when you read a lot. Um, but, you know, the technical writing, uh, at least at the time, was the, the rules were you always wrote in passive voice. No, no person ever did anything. The experiment was done to whatever you were experimenting on. Uh, and so that was a habit that had to be broken, you know, it, Stop using passive voice. It makes for dull fiction writing. Uh, there's there's the, the the concept of, uh, of is the story best told in first person or third person or quite rarely in second person. Uh, just so many details that that are important to fiction writing that just don't enter into technical writing. So, yeah, I've been at it, uh, oh, around 17 years, 17 or 18 years. Uh, I'm still learning. I hope I never stop learning. I know I have improved a great deal, but I know there's still plenty of stuff for me to learn. Well, that's the way we all feel. We hope that we improve every day. And uh, if this is something that you're building from, then uh, you must be really good by now. So. <laughs> It's, and, and, you know, while we're talking about it, folks, we're here talking about uh, M.A. Wright's first novel. It's called Devil's Choice. And what we want to do is we don't want to give a whole lot of this away. We want you folks to go to Amazon. We want you to look it up, order your own copy. It is a story you will enjoy, whether you're a history buff or not. Uh, and if you are, that's just added gravy to it. So we want uh, the folks to order their copy and find out how this story ends and uh, let me see if I have an agreement on that from our guest. Is that okay with you? Oh, yes, that's fine with me. Thanks. All right. Don't want to give too much away. There you go. We want to learn a little bit more about you, actually. Uh, you are from Tullahoma, Tennessee. Uh, I'd never heard of the place until my daughter started at Berry College, and her roommate was from Tullahoma. Uh, oh, really? So, yes, absolutely. Uh but at any rate, that's a whole other situation. Uh, I understand that while growing up there that you were pretty much known by everybody in town. And what? how was it that they knew you? Uh, they knew me because, uh, first, I was Claude Jackson's daughter, and he was a mailman, and he knew everybody in town, and everybody in town knew him. And then there was the fact that I had a pony, and I rode that pony all over creation. Uh, so, you know, people don't let kids do that now. But I, it was a great way to grow up, just get on that pony and ride wherever I wanted to. And, yeah, well, there you, were dangers, but, you know, uh, I survived them. <laughs> wouldn't be as much fun in a car seat and a helmet riding that pony today, would it? Uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> you also describe yourself in what I've read about you as the quintessential nerd 
in school. And by that, I mean you really applied yourself and you set your sights high right away. Uh, but, but the aspirations that you had, you know, they weren't always encouraged by the school counselors, were they? They were not. They were not. Um, I, I wanted to be an engineer. Uh, I was influenced by that by an older brother who had worked as an assistant to some engineers, uh, and I just thought it was really cool. Uh, he had, had worked as a civil engineer, and um, I thought getting out and tromping through the bushes and woods surveying was, you know, the height of something or other. Uh, my my uh, attitude toward that did change as time went on. But, you know, I wanted to be an engineer, and uh, we're talking about late 50s. Um, women weren't engineers. So um, there were a few obstacles to climb there. And, you know, first there was the attitude of uh, the school administration is on is that uh, this isn't an appropriate thing for you to aspire to. And then there was also the counselor who looked at my test scores and said, hmm, I think you're just working about as hard as you can now. Um, you're not going to do as well in college as you've done in high school, and maybe you should uh, have lower expectations for yourself. Um, I took her seriously, and um, it was a blow. It really was. But when I went... Uh, to my first year of college, I went to David Lipscomb College, David Lipscomb University now, and I decided, well, okay, I've got some electives. I'll just take electives that make my curriculum match the pre-engineering curriculum, and hey, I did fine. So um, I, I thought, well, okay, I'll, I'll still con- consider engineering, um, but. Money ran out after one year, so I had to come home and go to work. But I went to work at Arnold Engineering Development Center, uh, which was a, an Air Force installation doing research on aircraft and rockets. And I well, now let's let's. I, I hate interrupting, but let's walk through this a little slower because this oh, is okay. a book in it. This is a book in itself, listeners. Uh, you need to hear this. In high school, she had a. a, a guidance counselor that actually said you really need to aim a little lower you're not going to do well as an engineer and yet at Lipscomb College you actually tried to adhere to that you you took courses that were a little beneath that but you took electives that would still allow you to progress into engineering school later and you did fine everything your experiences in education kept pointing you towards engineering is that right that's pretty much it yeah that's correct and then this 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 job that you took as an assistant after graduating at Lipscomb, uh, that actually pointed you to a specific field of study, did it not? It did. Uh, I didn't graduate from Lipscomb. I only had the one year there. Uh, but this this facility was uh, aeronautical research, and um, I got I got very involved in it. I was I was working as what was called an engineering aide. Um, which meant that I did the graphics. We didn't have computer programs. We didn't have computers. We had Frieden mechanical calculators 
and you have never heard a racket in your life like a room full of those things clanking away on computations because they do it all mechanically with gears and cams and what have you. Um, but uh, I I did those calculations that were set up by the engineers. I In times when we were not terribly busy, I read books that were loaned to me by the engineers, and I got really... Uh, interested in pursuing aeronautical engineering, which turned out to be a bit of a problem because I was so focused on that particular type of engineering. When I looked for a college, I wanted to see one that had that curriculum, and the University of Tennessee didn't. It had mechanical engineering, and at that time I didn't realize that basically that would cover everything I'd need. Uh, So I... Uh, found Georgia Tech, which did have aeronautical engineering, and uh, stupidly just applied to that one school. (laughs) (laughs) So, well, we're Uh, glad it brought you to to Georgia. The the North Avenue Trade School has a pretty good reputation. Uh, It it has it has a good reputation, but I tell you what, I didn't even know that it was basically all men. Uh, (laughs) So I arrived. to to uh, enter my uh, my dorm room that I had paid a deposit on, and discovered that the dorm was an old residence that housed uh, let me see ten girls I think and a house mother, and it was already full up. Um, so I went off to talk to the associate dean and uh, made my case that you know I have paid my fee. You accepted my fee. You didn't accept all my credits, so I can't qualify as a sophomore. So according to your rules, I'm a freshman, and I have to live on campus. So he decided that, yeah, I'd have a room. So my room was um, it was a sun porch with jealousy windows. We had mm. a, a cold snap. I thought I was going to freeze to death. Fortunately, one of the girls decided to go home and get married, and that opened up a room, and I got to move upstairs where... It was warmer. Like I said, this is a book in itself. I hope you'll consider it, uh, <laughs> the, the experiences. Uh, before we go to this next break, real quick, uh, one of those things that we all dream of doing, uh, your first quarter grades at Georgia Tech came out as straight A's, and you took that as an occasion to visit home at Tullahoma High School and uh, promptly exert that report card in the face of that counselor. Uh, politely, I assume, but did you enjoy that? Oh, immensely. <laughs> oh, so immensely, yes. Uh, I, I really did enjoy that. And I I hope that it taught her a lesson about eh, over-interpreting test scores. Yeah. Uh, and, and I think that's a, a current uh, concern that kids now have to go through so much testing and so much depends on the results of uh, one or two tests. And kid have a bad day or whatever, uh, it can throw them for a loop. There shouldn't be that much emphasis on it. Well, no, and and we don't want to mislead people. We're talking a couple of years ago. The social mores of that time were, were really shouldn't be applied today. Uh, it's it's kind of like trying to apply literally things from the Bible or, or whatever your religious preference is 
uh, to today's standards. You got to really look at it in context. Uh, but still, telling you to stay away from engineering was not a wise move on that counselor's part. Uh, folks, we are here this morning with Marianne Wright. She is the author who goes by M.A. Wright. Her book, Devil's Choice, is one that you're going to want to add to your library, and we're going to be back with more from her after these messages. When four members of Congress all die within four months, each of their deaths appears to be from natural causes. But when mysterious messages begin to appear in the form of quotations from long-dead revolutionary heroes, one reporter sets out to prove the existence of a serial killer. His search discovers dark secrets and an assassin shielded by people who need the very services that only he can provide. The Sun Silas Rising, a novel by Doug Dahlgren, on Kindle or paperback through Amazon.com. Whether cruising the strip at a 57 Chevy or taking the family on a vacation in a 71 Oldsmobile Vista Cruiser, you need to tune in to Classic Cars with Steve Ronaldo and Jim Weber every Saturday from 8 to 9 a.m. on AmericasWebRadio.com. This is Daryl Pullis inviting you to listen to America's Homegrown Veggie Show right here every Saturday morning at 10 Eastern Time. Great guests, great tips, and valuable information about growing your own vegetables, fruits, and herbs. It's not just your garden. It's the way you live. And there's so much to know. But you have help. Bonnie Plants. Now with Bonnie's app, Homegrown, you can learn about veggie and herb varieties. Track and record your garden with photos and notes. Share on Facebook and Twitter. And so much more. How'd you ever grow without it? Get Homegrown with Bonnie Plants for iPhone and Android. The more you know, the better you can grow with Bonnie. You're listening to AmericasWebRadio.com, the pioneer and leader in chat radio. Thank you for listening. We are back. We're here on the prologue this morning. We've got Marianne Wright. She is an author who goes under the pseudonym M.A. Wright. And her book, Devil's Choice, as we said earlier, is available on Amazon and and something that she mentioned earlier, too, that's very important. Folks, you can go into your local bookstore and just tell the folks that you would like to get a copy of M.A. Wright's Devil's Choice. And if you're nice about it, they'll order it for you, and they'll have it there in a matter of days. So take advantage of that. Support those local bookstores that are willing to work with you, and uh, make sure you get a copy of Devil's Choice. Now, your career in writing had some very good roots with this engineering career. And, in fact, I want to say that we were talking about Georgia Tech your first quarter. You, in fact, graduated with high honors, and then a number of years later, you became the first female Ph.D. in engineering to graduate from the Georgia Institute of Technology. That's quite an honor, and uh, I just want to say once again, congratulations. Well, thank you. Um, I did not realize I was the first woman graduate, uh, first woman Ph.D. in engineering until uh, a little over a year ago. Uh, there were other women students pursuing Ph.D.s, and I can't remember her name, but someone uh, achieved one in one of the sciences, in chemistry, I think, um, before I got the one in engineering. But mine was the first in engineering, apparently. And that that is a massive step forward. And uh, look at the the ground you broke for other other ladies. Uh, it's just amazing. Now, is it at Georgia Tech where you met Terry and you guys were were married? 
And oh yeah, go ahead. Uh, we we were in graduate school together, uh, and uh, we you know started dating, and we got married, and we we were married before we uh, both got our PhDs. And you guys followed your your separate careers, but you stayed together with it. You had teaching positions at Purdue University, and then later at Alabama. Uh, where both you and your husband were on staff at the University of Alabama, and at and then for a while at Birmingham, okay, Birmingham. and then you took a job kind of a little outside of the engineering field, but maybe maybe tied to it. You became an interior designer. Tell us real quick about that. Uh, yeah, that was, maybe that was a midlife crisis. I'm not sure, but I have always enjoyed art, uh, color design, and um, I, I kind of burned out in engineering, so I reinvented myself as an interior decorator. And I tremendously enjoyed that. It's a very creative, uh, much more creative outlet than engineering, uh, than engineering was for me, put it that way. Uh, and I got to participate in several of the decorator show houses that they have in Birmingham for as uh, a benefit for the uh, symphony. Uh, I wasn't exactly the world's greatest business person, uh, but I sure had a lot of fun as a decorator. But then when when uh, Terry, who stayed with uh, UAB, uh, when he retired, I, I retired too, and we left Birmingham and went to Florida. Well, now, that, that profession probably, uh, if I can be so bold, I bet you met a lot of personalities and types of people that you've applied to your writing since then, though. Oh, yeah. <laughs> interesting right. folks in that. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, interesting folks and a lot different than the engineering community. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. <laughs> now, I've got engineers in my family, too, so I, <laughs> I recognize uh, Well, that. my condolences. <laughs> well, you, we, we didn't really mention it earlier, but uh, your writing, your fiction writing, has won awards uh, for several of your short stories. And the book we're here talking about, Devil's Choice, actually won an award in an earlier version. Real quick, tell us about that, please. Uh, yeah, early on, uh, under the title of No Right Way, because titles are a really hard thing for me, and I had not come up with Devil's Choice yet, uh, I entered it in the Maryland Writers Association Writing Contest. I don't remember the year, 2002, I think. And uh, it won second, type, second place in uh, mainstream uh, novel. So I was very pleased with that, very proud of that. And As you should my, be. Yeah, and a number of my short stories uh, have, have won contests, uh, particularly with a magazine called... Uh, Writer's Journal, uh, which unfortunately uh, failed about uh, oh, three or four years ago. Uh, but uh, those those uh, awards are a nice pat on the back. They're they're good feedback, and uh, it kept me feeling like I was making progress. So, well, absolutely. Are any of these short stories available now? Um... Um, a couple of them are. They are contained in um, an anthology put out by the Clarksville Writing uh, Society. Uh, that's that's a group that I belong to in Clarksville, Georgia. It's uh, it's available at 
the Clarksville Library, and it's available from uh, from Amazon also. The title of the anthology is River of Words, and um, it has writing from uh, a number of members of our group, and a couple of my short stories are in that. Okay, and you're also identified as M.A. Wright in this? No, I'm probably Mary Ann Wright in there. Okay, okay, all right. Now, is there anything new on the way from the author M.A. Wright? Yeah, I've got a, I've got a bunch of those short stories, and I think I'm going to put them together uh, as a volume. And I also have another novel completed that uh, is totally different than uh, Devil's Choice. I, ho- I hope it's not different in that I think my my descriptions and characterizations are are on the same level uh but it it's a it's truly a mystery uh that's that's has a rather modern setting in the Florida panhandle uh, wow yeah so I, I, well we understand it's, it's called digital deception and and I hope sometime maybe this year to get that one out. Well, we hope you'll let us know and maybe even come back and tell us about it when you get that one out. Oh, that'd be great. Also, are we going to read any more about Josiah in the future? Uh, Several people have asked this, so I am going to have to put some thought into uh, what happens to Josiah after Devil's Choice. Uh, I'm not sure how that will work out, but I'm thinking... Well, we'll... We'll look forward to it and hope you continue to, to think about that. Now, your husband, we've mentioned Terry before, he is also a writer, yes. and he has a published book or, or two and some short stories. Yes. Well, one of his is... Go ahead. Go ahead. <laughs> he he no, has I'll... a novel, uh, Club Tripoli, and he also has a collection of short stories, uh, Quiet Little Men and Other Stories, and uh, his name is Terry Wright. And both of those are available on Amazon. And he also has uh, a couple of stories in that uh, anthology, River of Words. Okay. Well, it sounds like we're going to need to get him on a program and talk about his work in in the near future, won't we? He sure should. (laughs) Okay. Very good. Well, you you have my number. Have him call me, okay? All right. All right. Now, from from your lessons and and now your vast experience, uh, what advice would you offer to budding writers at this point? Read, 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 write, write, write. You know, really, uh, people ask me, how do you get started? Well, uh, you crank up your computer or you get your pen and paper, and you write. And Yes, ma'am. Don't, don't try to do it on, on your own. It's a solitary uh, activity. You have to kind of be in your own head when you're doing this, but it's invaluable to get feedback from other people, and that's why uh, Terry and I uh, are members of our writing group. We were members of a writing group in Florida, uh, so that we learn from the others and get feedback on what we're doing. Well, give that well, group create- a... Hmm? I was going to say, give give that group some props too. Uh, you are you are highly involved in that group in North Georgia. Uh, I'm assuming that that's helped you to grow as a writer. Tell us a little bit more about those folks that you're around. Oh, sure. That's a Clarksville Writer Society, and uh, it's it's a a fairly large group. It's, we've got about forty members. We have twenty that are 
quite active. Um, and they're at a, a number of different levels of expertise in writing. But we provide feedback for each other, and we teach each other, and it's just amazing. And some of the people that really sometimes don't have the firmest grasp on the technicalities of writing uh, can give such wonderful insight about characters and so on. So we all learn from each other, and it's just an invaluable help to anyone that wants to write is to be a member of a group. I love what you said. The technicalities can be fixed later. Get the story yes, down. That's, yes. that's the thing. Marianne, can you think of anything that we've left out this hour? I don't think so. I think we've been pretty uh, pretty complete here. Well, listen, we appreciate you coming on so much. Folks, this is Marianne Wright, M.A. Wright. Her book is Devil's Choice. It's available on Amazon.com and other venues. Go into your local bookstore and ask for it. Marianne, uh, thank you so much for being on the prologue today. I do hope you've had a good time. I have. Uh, thank you so much for having me. Well, thank you for coming on. And, folks, again, the ball's in your court. Look for Devil's Choice by M.A. Wright. You will enjoy it. So for now, I am Doug Dahlgren. I thank you very much for tuning in, listening to the prologue. For my guest this hour, M.A. Wright and myself, I want to say thank you. Have a great rest of your week. Be good to yourselves and each other. Read a book. If it's not Mary Ann's, maybe you'll pick one of mine. And I'll see you all again in just 167 hours. Take care. This is AmericasWebRadio.com, the best in chat radio designed just for you.